Hello from Bear and Kura, a podcast from the Land of Oz Information Services. I love you, Bear. I love you too, Kura. This is episode three of the Bear and Kira podcast. We're going to talk about our work and related topics. So I was thinking, um, what has been your favorite job that you've held? My favorite job, I would have to say I worked actually for a carpet place. It was a fairly big company, I guess about a million dollar company. and. Um, I was hired as a programmer, as, as a, a web developer, although I did some other things for them. And I don't know, I felt extremely fortunate that they gave me the resources that I needed to do my work. They were usually very specific about what needed to be done. And they let me do a good job. They, I, I could write the software in a thorough manner where I I wasn't, when I was done with it, I didn't feel like I had left anything out or had held anything back. Other jobs that I've had, it's usually rush, 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 try to get it done as fast and as quick as you can and just get it out to the customer. And that job wasn't like that. And um, I I really miss that work it's it's too bad they had a downturn and um had to lay me off i i really wish i was still working there i remember when you worked there you did enjoy it quite a bit you brought it home but you enjoyed you, you enjoyed doing it quite a bit and it never bothered you at all that you would work on it on your time i, I should say but yeah i remember you were very happy with that that work you enjoyed it thoroughly you were much happier what was your favorite job um, probably, it's going to sound silly, probably I was just a day laborer one summer. It was a summer job. I did tree work. What do you mean by tree work? I was a groundsman for a local company back home that uh, we did tree work, uh, removed tr- trees, uh, trimmed them back, stuff like that. It was just, it was a good hard day's work. It wasn't nothing glamorous, nothing beautiful about it but it was it was hard work i went there in the morning got my job did it worked hard you know i worked from eight in the morning to six seven at night and i was whooped by the end of the day i go home sleep get up the next morning and go it was it was a great summer job i was outside all all day long and i mean it was pretty much free reign of here's your chainsaw we need this cleared out and Clear out a lot. I mean, it was it was just a lot of fun. The people I worked with, a lot of fun. But that was probably one of my favorite jobs. It was just, it was a fun job. But aside from that, probably my favorite job is what I've been doing for the last 18 years. Since I've been doing it so long. But it's had its ups and downs. It's also been my favorite job, but it's been the job that I've absolutely hated and despised going to work on certain days. Just depending on who I was working for at the time. So, like right now, I'm working for a really good boss and bosses. 
really enjoying my work or, you know, back to what I fell in love with in the first place. But there for a while, a few years back, I dreaded going to work. I, I, I felt like I was going to see the executioner when I was getting dropped off there in the morning. I absolutely hated it and was almost to the point where I was in tears almost a, on a daily basis going there. It was a different boss, different owner. So. So your current job is the one you like second to most, but it's also the one you hate the most? I uh, Absolutely. Working for the one boss and the one owner at the time, it was the hands down the, the job I hated the most. Hands down, by far. Um, didn't like how it made me felt. Everything just made me second guess everything that I ever did in that job. But no, I, I think it's now working with these people again, a different group of people, obviously. It's been much more rewarding and much more fun, even though I do gripe about it. But I think everybody gripes about a job they have. That's why it's called a job, you know. Nothing's always perfect. Well, you, you work as a broker, and so you work with the public. Pawnbroker, yes. How How do you... That kind of work, I would think you could just, at the end of the day, just go home and not, not think about it at all. I mean, uh, my kind of work, I have huge projects that, that I'm given to do, and I think about it constantly. From the time I give, give into the project to the time I, I turn it over, it goes through my head, and, and you know, you, you can see sometimes the wheels and the cogs are turning in my head, even though I'm not working. Mm -hmm. uh, I would think being a broker, though, at the end of the day, you could just put that all aside and, and be done, and the next day you start fresh again. Yeah, you can, but I mean, you're dealing with people on a daily basis, and you know, I question, did I handle that correctly? Could I have done better? I sleep well at night. I know that I'm never screwing people over, but I mean, there's, you, you always, you know, you're dealing with the public. So it's, could I have handled that situation better? You know, I, I deal with people who come in there, not probably going through the best time of their life, you know, and, and could I've had a little more uh, sympathy for them or did that person work me over? Were they telling the truth? Were they lying? Stuff like that, you know? Uh, it's it's strange. It's a, it's a very weird. I don't know. It doesn't make much sense of what I'm saying. But no, most of most of the time I can check it at the door. But you know, there's some instances where you know you hang on to it. I I do when you come home. I I do hear about things that that bug you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I guess I'm fortunate in that I deal with computers and they don't lie to you. And they don't talk back. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I know that you sometimes are extremely frustrated and, and you know, we talk and, and I think once you get it out, it's, it's pretty much over for you, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you, you listen to me and it. I'm the type of person, once I get it off my chest, I feel better. And it's, uh, it's water under the bridge at that point. You're, you're a great sounding board and you listen to me. And just you listening to me helps. It just, it kind of clears the air and clears my conscience. 
So, yeah, she's been great about that. And I joke with you. I said, okay, I'm getting ready to throw up on you. And I, I tell you all the bad things that happened during the day. And you just kind of nod and shake your head. So. Yeah, I'm not a real good talker, but I am a pretty good listener. Yes, you are. What has been your least favorite job? Uh, actually, the one that I'm doing now, it's just, it was for a... Um, for a different company. For a different, different, yeah, different company, different owner, different boss. Didn't appreciate the, the lying, the the double standard that certain people were held to. Meaning and, you could do something and they would chew you out for it and another employee would do the exact same thing and be... Applauded uh, for it. Hmm. Yeah. There was, there was, or, or they could do nothing at all and basically accomplish nothing during a four hour period. And I would bust my butt and do 10 times what they would do. And it was just expected of me. And yeah, there was, there was a lot of things about that position that I actually just hated, just absolutely hated. But it's like, it's all in the past now. So they got what they, I mean, it's, it's sound like this, but they're basically lying in the bed that they dug, and and they're they're not. My part of the company is reaping the rewards, whereas that company's kind of fallen by the wayside. So karma's a bitch. And if you pe- treat people with respect, they'll come around, or for the most part, treat yeah. you with respect. Exactly. I, I suppose there's always new people who can be. Oh, less appropriate in their behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, in the end, you'll you, you you come out on top. Yeah. Yes. What um? What has been your least favorite job? The last job that I had, uh, I'm unemployed right now. They they laid me off. I I can't say that I didn't like the work. The work was challenging, and I was up to it. But they had an employee there who was just completely inappropriate. Not at all professional. He would would cuss. He would say rude things. He was not allowed to talk to any of the customers. They they had... uh, like service reps who would have to talk to him, get an answer, and then pass the answer along to the customer because he was not allowed to talk to customers. Wow. And he he knew a, a, a lot about, you know, their system because, you know, he'd been there from the start. But I, I guess he knew that. He knew that he had them over the barrels, sort of, and they were stuck with him. And... um they were not about to do anything about it. There were times, you know, when he said inappropriate things to me, I complained to management and management would say, we agree, you know, that was inappropriate, but we're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. I remember you telling me some of those stories and yeah, I didn't particularly care for that individual from what you told me. So... I I wanted to quit that job so many times. You hated that job. And I suppose it's fortunate 
that I was was laid off and didn't have to quit because, you know, with a layoff you get unemployment and all that. But it that's the only job I can think of that I wanted to quit more than once. Hmm. Just because I, I need to pay the bills, you know, I just sort of persevered through it. You kind of stuck in doing what you, what you had to do to make make the rent. What was the most important lesson you've learned in your career? Oh, that's a tough question. There, there's so many. I mean, like I said, I'm a pawnbroker. Can't always judge a book by its cover. What do you mean by that? I, I you know, I can deal. I deal with a lot of different varying people in society. Um, I've seen the poorest of the poor, and then the rich to the rich. So you. People come in and they need money. Obviously, I'm a pawnbroker, like we said. People need money. You don't always know what, where, why they're there for the money. You just kind of got to do your job. And some people can come in and they could look like Joe shit the ragman. And next thing you know, they're furthest from that and that they just like pawn shopping and, you know, seeing the value of things. And they hand you a $20,000 Rolex watch. You really can't, you know, and then also the one thing I learned is there's a lot of people that are only a few steps away from being in the worst possible scenario that you can imagine, that they're in there pawning their goods just so they can pay rent or feed a kid. It's just, you never know. You never know what you're going to walk into on a daily basis in that job. I think there's sort of a stereotype or a reputation that richer people are more chintzy than poorer people. Do you think that's true? Uh, I guess. I mean... Is that how they got rich? By just not spending it? It could be, or, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen, all, I've seen young rich, I've seen old rich. It's just, it's, you never know. Some people could become, they can appear to be rich, but if you look at their credit score, you know, they just have a ton of credit cards, you know, it's all run up on credit cards, and then you, they're not wealthy. I mean, we don't do credit checks at the pawn shop, obviously, because it's just collateral loan, but some people want to portray a certain image. I think <laughs> I've heard those called 10 cent millionaires. Yeah. You know, they look like they're, but the next thing you know, you look in their wallet and there's 50 credit cards. I don't have any credit cards. I don't want any credit cards, but they they live paycheck to paycheck like most of, this, most of Americans do. But they're rolling around in a high-end car, but they're one step away from bankruptcy. And then there's other people who don't look like they have anything at all. Next thing you know, they're pulling out thousands and thousands of dollars in cash and giving it to you. So. Uh, I've also sort of heard that pawn is sort of the poor person's banking system. Uh, some people consider it that way. I mean, it, pawn over the years has gotten a really bad image of pawnbrokers being sleazy. And there probably is some out there. There probably still are. Uh, I, I don't. I, I take pride in the fact that I, I know I'm a good pawnbroker. That might sound arrogant, but I know I'm a pawnbroker and I sleep well at night. 
I'm an honest person. I'm not there to rip anybody off. I'll tell someone what their stuff's worth, if they like it or not. Um, but like I said, I, I, I sleep all at night. I go to bed at night knowing that I am not ripping somebody off. But some people don't have credit. Some people need some quick cash. I mean, it's not a, you know, society kind of frowns upon it. Uh, but it's, uh, you can't go down to your bank if you need a hundred bucks and borrow a hundred dollars from your banker. You can come to a pawn shop and walk in and out in 10 minutes with a hundred dollars in your pocket. Every state has different laws for the interest and all that. And Kansas is one of those that just, it's flat 10% every 30 days. So I'm not trying to sell the business to anybody. I'm happy doing what I do. It gives me a, um, a good job that I do every day that I, I enjoy quite a bit. And I do find it fulfilling. I'm not going to lie. I mean, there's days where it gets really frustrating and can anger me quite a bit. But most of the people that I deal with are pretty good people. Sounds to me a bit, uh, a bit like masturbation. People, everybody does it, but nobody wants to admit to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've seen those people. I don't. I shouldn't be in a pawn shop. Get, motherfucker, get over it. You're standing in front of me. Do you want the money or not? So, yeah. People laugh at me at work because I'm pretty blunt and I'm straightforward. And, yeah, it is it's it is what it is. So. I don't think I could deal with people day oh, in, day out. No, you would absolutely. You thought you hated your last job. You would hate this job tremendously. You're not an outgoing person. And you have to be an extrovert to do this type of job. Yeah, you would not. <laughs> you would not handle it at all. My computers don't give me back talk or anything like yes. that. What did your career teach you about? Well, I'd like to think it's like attention to detail. And that's the answer I want to tell myself. Uh, programming, there is a lot of detail involved. You've got to plan for every possible outcome. But something that I have learned that I guess surprised me is I have, it's, it's been surprising. I have learned that software is not judged by your attention to detail. It is judged by how it looks. You can have the most elaborate subroutines that handle data in a, the most elegant way. But if the screen looks ugly or it's a, a color the customer doesn't like or the controls aren't lined up very well. They don't like it. It's, it's, I suppose it's sad, but it's true that it's got to look pretty. <laughs> yeah. Software is judged as much by how it looks as how it works. And it's, I guess it's an unfortunate thing, but it's true. And when I first get, came into programming, I had no idea that it would be that way. Hmm. And I think some management, like my last company, never never saw that. They never, they, they didn't care about that. They didn't ha care how it looked. Every project that I was given, I, um, I made sure that it looked good. It was clean. And uh, when I was given something that already existed, I cleaned it up and made it look better. And I'm sure they're benefiting from that now. Mm. 
You know, they lost someone. They, they definitely need it. And I don't think they wanted to lay me off. It, it was a case they, they lost, you know, their biggest customer. And that was the customer I did most of the work for. So they really had no choice. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, if you could have a conversation with any historical figure, who would you choose? Hmm. I would have to say Galileo. And I don't speak Italian, so we'll just pretend that there's no language barrier there. But he was the one who proved that the Earth was not the center of the universe. That the sun did not revolve around the Earth. That the Earth revolved around the sun. And the other planets revolved around the sun. Which was a direct affront to the church because in the bible the bible said that the sun went around the earth uh, and uh, to them you know that was the god's honest truth literally that they could not believe that the uh, earth revolved around the sun and um, they punished him greatly Eventually, he came to recant just because it was the expedient thing to do. Although, there's an expression that I use myself sometimes. I say, and yet it moves. Because uh, when Galileo was forced to recant, he made a public statement that the sun does revolve around the earth and that the earth does not move, that the earth is the center of the universe. But it was said that he muttered under his breath, and yet it moves. Hmm. That's why he is somebody that I would like to talk to. Yeah. Who would you like to talk to? I never thought of this. I, I never, I don't know. I, I really don't uh, have anybody in particular that I would like to talk to. No historical uh, sports figure, anybody? Not really. No, I, I, I mean, athletes are athletes, and I'm not gonna. I mean, they play game. I love sports. Everyone knows this on this podcast, but I don't find anything that they say worth a nickel. I, you normally get the the standard. Well, we put in our time. We did it at the team. It's the team. I don't care. I don't care about their social political. Go out there, throw the ball, hit the ball, do whatever you want to do with it. I, I, I don't care about their political statements or whatever. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I'm just going to kind of come across as coy. Maybe go back in time and talk to, in air quotes, Jesus Christ, just to find out he was a normal fucking guy that someone wrote a bunch of stories about. <laughs> to come back and say, na 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 na, you're all a bunch of idiots, but. I know I'm not going to make any friends with that statement on this podcast, but I, I don't. I, I don't have uh, anybody that I absolutely look up to or I, I just admired to know. I mean, yeah, like yours, like Galileo, yeah, those would be neat. You know, some old philosopher, some old artists, like even modern day artists, I would like to maybe talk to them about how they come up with uh, stuff that they sketch or draw or. Uh, I think that would be neat to sit down and have a conversation with Michelangelo and then Todd McFarlane, one of the best comic book artists out there, or Jim Lee, and have them 
at a round table and how they would they would say about art. I think that would be really interesting because uh, you have one that's viewed as probably the, one of the best artists ever and then one that just, quote-unquote, does comic books, but he's still an artist. To hear their different aspects of stuff and how they come up with inspirations and stuff. And, you know, I'm not comparing the two by any means, but are subjective. So I think that would be kind of cool. Maybe we should go to a comic book convention sometime because they have panels where where there are comic book artists. Oh, I would, and you can ask questions. And I would love to go to like a Comic Con, like in New York or in San Francisco or in one of the bigger cities. I know Wichita has one, but it's I don't think they get any of the comic panelists around here that I would want to see. But I'm not even saying go to the Comic Con in like San Diego or anything. Just a bigger city, maybe one in Kansas City or Dallas or Oklahoma City, but. I would love to get one of those. I think you'd be surprised. I'll bet there's local talent. That... Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd have to save a lot of money because there'd be a lot of things that I'd want to buy while I was there. <laughs> That's true. A lot. You can attest to how many markers and pens and you made a joke about that in the past. when I was like, oh, I need this. And you're like, you already have like 10,000 markers. How and many I... colors of blue can yeah. you really need? Exactly. But, hey, if there's a different color and I don't have it, I want it. <laughs> so. What is your astrological star sign? Like my, like, I'm a Leo. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I'm a Leo, yes. Do you, do you, do you think that that means anything? No, not really. No. I think when it says you're loyal and you're loyal and proud, and I think a lot of those words are just, they cover everything, and it makes people feel like they're special. I already know I'm proud, but I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that I was born on August 13th. Or, yeah, the, the line, the sun, moon lines to a certain accent. Yeah, I don't believe in any of that. I think it's hokum, as Sheldon Cooper would say. <laughs> How about you? What sign are you? I'm an Aquarius. Now, do you believe in any of it? I don't think there's anything to that whatsoever. No. The, the, the way that the stars are aligned and the planets are aligned, the way, the way that you're born, has nothing to do with anything. The, the magnetic pull of a star, uh, those stars are, are probably most of them are long gone by, by the time the light reaches us. Well, I'm going to have to contact Growler because that's why I picked you, because you're an Aquarius. And <laughs> seriously, I've no, never heard this before. I'm teasing. No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, when people ask, now, I, uh, granted, uh, people sometimes ask, what's your astrological sign? I think it's just as a way to start a conversation, which I, yeah. I guess is fine. But, but I like. You, but you probably want to promptly end that conversation as soon as they ask you that. Well. <laughs> Here's how I like to respond. I say, what is your blood type? And most of the time, people have no idea what their mm -hmm. blood type is. Yeah, but they know If you ask, what's your sign? And they know that right away. Well, which is really more important to know, your sign or your blood type? Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> yeah. The sad thing is probably about 90% of the people out there don't know their blood type. But they know their astrological sign. I, I find that just, I don't know, both fascinating and sad at the same time. 
Uh, yeah. And sometimes you just got to laugh at things. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? One meal. You can't say what's in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I won't. <laughs> well, my uh, my favorite food is macaroni and cheese. It, it's a nice comfort food. Um, I think if it was the only thing I could eat the rest of my life, though, it wouldn't be, you know. That fantastic? It, yeah. But it is something, I suppose, if I was forced to decide, this is the only thing you and can have the rest of your life. everybody keep in mind, he's talking about Kraft macaroni cheese in the box. Oh, yes. Not homemade from scratch. You can get rid of that. He's happy with Kraft macaroni and cheese with extra cheese singles in it. There's a certain way that he makes it, and I've had to learn how to do that because it's just not the same. <laughs> and even... Other brands of boxed macaroni and cheese yeah. that they won't do. No, no Velveeta shells and cheese. That doesn't fly. <laughs> no, it has to be Kraft macaroni and cheese. Uh, it's an early childhood memory, and it's a comfort food, and just nothing else equals it, in in my opinion. <clears throat> what would be the food you would eat the rest of your life? Uh Cheese steaks <laughs> from back home. Cheese are re- cheese steaks are regular subs from back oh, home. Oh, like a Philly cheese Like a Philly cheese steak. Yeah, well, South Jersey cheese steak. It's a little bit different. There's no cheese whiz. But yeah, I, I, I could be happy eating one of those for the rest of my life. Just with the bread and everything. Yeah, just easy. Well, they say there's something about the water in New Jersey that it's, the bread is yeah. has its own flavor or yeah, something there's actual they've actually made a sub shop in vegas where they flew out the water from new jersey to make the bread like that out there but it's definitely in the water that, that they use or something for the bread but it's has to be it's the i think there's more scientific to it than that but that's what people have come up with well it seemed to me like it would be just as easy to fly the bread out as to fly the water out well, the bread's fresh every day, made every morning. And by the time you float to Vegas, there are already eight hours gone of freshness. So, I don't know. I guess you can vast amounts of water and just store it. Well, there are sub shops in town that we go to. And do you, you think any of them are, are equal to what you get in Jersey? No, because uh, of the bread. The bread's one of the best parts, um, but I mean, some of them are close with the meats they use and stuff like that. But it's really the bread that makes it. So I think that's unusual because when we go to Jimmy John's, I order their unsub, yeah, which has can... no bread at all. It's mm-hmm. just wrapped in lettuce leaves, and yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas I like their bread, but it doesn't compare at all to what's back home. And those lettuce wraps has the advantage that it's all protein, no carbs. Yep. I, it doesn't affect my blood sugar whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That that's that's the. It's sort of like being able to pick up a san or a sorry, a salad. pick up a salad and eat it, eat it like a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, hands down, that would be mine. So. Um, all right, favorite time of the week. What is your favorite joke right now? 
My favorite joke. Okay. You asked for it. Uh-oh. Why did we name our pet rocks Thoughts and Prayers? I have no idea. Why? Why have we named our pet rocks Thoughts and Prayers? Because they're also useless. <laughs> oh, God. That's a good one. That's a real good one. We should make that into a t-shirt. <laughs> I always say, um, whenever a politician, whenever there's a big tragedy and the politician gets on the TV and says, our thoughts or my thoughts and prayers are, are with the victims, I always think, well, when it comes time to vote, all you're going to get from me is my yeah, thoughts, thoughts and, and prayers. prayers. Yeah. That's too funny. Well, that's enough for this episode. I hope everyone enjoyed listening. This is Bear. And Kura, signing off for now. Talk to you guys next week. You have been listening to the Bear and Kura podcast, a production of the Land of Oz Information Services. We can be contacted via email using the address podcast at oz.com. And Oz is spelled A-W-E-S.